Hello again, Fight fans, and welcome to episode number 195B of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero, for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. And usually the Thursday show is just a preview show, but today we got a fight to review, a really, really good fight that came out early in the morning. You know, I got to say, this is uh, the first time I got up at 7 in the morning to do my morning workout and ended up watching a fight from across the world on an app. I think this whole app thing is cool. I like it. I dig it. Uh, For some people on the West Coast, you know, it was 4 a.m. That's that's really early. That's crazy. For those of you in the UK, uh, you guys are having to stay up crazy late all the time. And this probably was right in the middle of the day for you. So it worked out really great for you guys. Uh, Anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. And then, of course, we'll preview what's coming up. Uh, this <clears throat> this Saturday, and including this kind of crazy fight between KSI and Logan Paul. Uh, so next week, <clears throat> I'm losing my voice here. Next week, uh, we'll probably just do a Monday show because next weekend is kind of light, the schedule. But the following weekend, the 23rd, of course, we got Wilder and Ortiz, that pay-per-view. <clears throat> then we got a few other fights. So Next week, probably just going to do one show. Probably just going to be the Monday show, all right? Just giving you guys a heads up. But then the following week, we'll be back at uh, a review and a preview show because that'll be a pretty loaded week. So uh, a few quick news items before I get into that, guys. As always, please go ahead and uh, hit the like button and uh, spread the word about the show. If you're watching live on YouTube, I appreciate it very much. If you guys want to contribute to MOB, we have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Montero Unboxing. You can always uh, contribute and tip the show right here live on YouTube with Super Chat pledges. And then um, we are sold out of Montero Unboxing t-shirts. Once I re-up those, we'll be selling those. And maybe I'll do some different colors and stuff like that. But the best way you can support me, the best way is to just spread the word, man. Share this video. Share the the iTunes. We're now on, um, what is it called? Podcast Addict. We're everywhere, right? So go ahead and spread the word. Wherever you're listening or watching the show, whatever platform it is, just share it on your social media, man. Get the word out there. That's the best thing you guys can do for me. If you're watching this right now live on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and make sure you click the little notifications bell because that is very, very important. Because sometimes, for whatever reason, YouTube likes to unsubscribe people and take notifications away. I don't know why the hell they do that, but they do. So just make sure that you're subscribed and signed up uh, everywhere MLB is. We appreciate it, guys. Okay, so um, some news and notes. Naoya Inoue signs with Top Rank. Multi-year deal. Going to fight three times, they're saying, in 2020. First fight will be early 2020 in the United States. So, of course, we'll talk a lot more about Inoue in just a second. But... Remember, they were rumoring this for a while. There was just nothing official. And they were wanting to really keep it hushed. Top Rank has done a pretty good job of keeping these deals kind of quiet. until, like, Remember the Tyson Fury thing? We were all like, what the hell? Where did that come from? Right. So the rumors were flying about Naoya in a way, but there was nothing official. Like I couldn't go on record with anything. I had heard rumors, but what the hell? We always hear rumors. But it's official now, man. Naoya in a way is going to be coming to the USA multi-year, multi-fight deal with top rank. My hope is that they don't go the Tyson Fury route. I don't think they will. I don't think they will because Tyson Fury, I think top rank sees in him a three, four fight deal kind of a thing, maybe five fights or whatever. But the cash out is that rematch with Deontay Wilder. 
which again, I, I think Fury's going to lose. And I think at top rank, you know, they hope he wins, obviously, because if he wins, that sets up a rubber match. So, but even if he doesn't, even if he loses to Deontay Wilder, that's a massive payday. That contract is good. And they can move on from there and do a couple more fights, and it is what it is. But with Inouye, I think they see something there, and they're going to build him up. He's already big in the Japanese market, but they could bring him over here. I talked about this on Twitter today. Los Angeles is the most ethnically and nationally diverse, in terms of national origin, diverse big city in America. It's one of the most diverse megacities on earth. Almost half of the population in Los Angeles is foreign-born. That's more than New York. That's more than any other major city in America or North America in one of the most, again, diverse cities on earth. So imagine the possibilities if you bring a Japanese fighter to L.A. and you get him in the ring against some Mexican fighters. They can do some really, really exciting, fun events out there. You know what I'm saying? Of course, the New York market, there's a lot of Japanese people in the New York market, but the West Coast market is going to be where it's at especially because there's some good Mexican fighters at 118 and at 122 and even 126, which I think Inouye can grow into eventually. He's still in his 20s. So there's great possibilities there for top rank. I just hope that they, he deserves a a soft touch the first time around, but eventually, man, they got to get him and match him tough. Also, um, speaking of 122 pounders of Mexican heritage in the Los Angeles area, Daniel Roman, elevated to WBA super champ at 122. Brandon Figueroa is their regular champ. WBA, I have to just mention this because the WBA, they're insane. Does anyone on earth think Brandon Figueroa would stand a chance against Daniel Roman? I don't. I think Daniel Roman would knock him out, tune him up pretty good. But the WBA loves having two, a lot of times three champions, sometimes even four champions in the same division. That's just how the WBA does things because there's not enough problems in boxing. All right, one more note. With the WBO, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but now it's official. They have mandated a rematch between Marius Bredis and Christoph Galvaki. You remember their fight earlier this year in the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Semifinals ended controversially, right? I'm not even going to go into all the shit that happened with Robert Bird reffing that fight. I want to say his wife was scoring fights on that card. It was atrocious. They've mandated a rematch. Now, Brady is lined up to fight in the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Finale. It's the only remaining finale in Season 2 against American Andre or Andrew Tabidi. I think he's going to go that route. So I think that WBO title is going to get dumped. It's unfortunate, but guys, what's more important? For him to rematch Kovaki right now or to go into that finale against Tabidi, I can tell you right now, the payday for Tabidi because of the bonuses and everything involved, much more, much bigger. So I think he's going to dump the WBO title, go into the World Boxing Super Series finale against Tabidi. And guess what? Should Brady's win and become the World Boxing Super Series champion and get that Ali trophy? And I think Tabidi has a title anyway. Then he can rematch Glovaki later. That fight's that much bigger. It it still exists for him. So I think that's the route that they're going to go. Okay, let's do a quick fight review. And then we're going to preview what's going on. But this morning, it started around like 7.20 a.m. Oh, what do you guys are saying? Dorticos. Do I have it wrong? Hang on a second. I think I lost my mind again. (laughs) 
Um, I think you guys are right. I'm losing my mind. Did I just say Andrew Tabidi? It's Unier Dortikos. I'm so glad to do this show live. Yes, sorry, everyone. I'm clearly losing my mind. Yes, you are correct, everyone. So just disregard uh, what you heard. For yeah, Tiffany just poked her head in the door here and said, I just need a drink. Sorry about that, guys. Tabidi, obviously, duh, no shit, lost to Unier Dortikos. So that is who. I, why, why the hell did I think it was Tabidi? That's insane. Uh, anyway, so... Bradys is going to fight Uniel Dorticos, the Cuban. And I'm just checking right here. Uh, he has, he won the vacant IBF title against Tabidi. That's where I got my uh, circuits crossed. So yeah, he, so there is a title on the line. So anyway, I think that Bradys is going to dump that WBO title and fight Dorticos for his IBF title. And then if he wins, he can go back and fight Klovaki anyway. If he loses... He can rematch Kovaki and go for the WBO title. So I think that's the route he's going to go. Anyway, let's talk about this fight this morning. Thank you for correcting me on that, guys. And for those of you listening later on iTunes or everything else, I apologize for that. Um, Yeah, I just got my circuits crossed. It's hard to remember all these dates, all these names, all these titles. You know, sometimes I just uh, mix it up. Anyway, uh, this morning, great fight out of Japan. Satima Japan. World Boxing Super Series bantamweight finale on the zone from the Super Arena in Satima, Japan. And as I was saying, it came out like 7.20 a.m. here in, uh, on the East Coast. And then for you guys over on the West Coast on my old stomping grounds, 4.20. Now that's early. That's really early. And you know what, though? For, for me here, it was kind of fun, I got to say, to get up and drink my coffee and watch this fight. And then it just so happened to be an outstanding fight. And then it just so happened to be that I called it perfectly. <laughs> now, I didn't, I didn't say there'd be a knockdown. I didn't say there wouldn't be a knockdown. But if you guys watch the boxing rant with Kenny Keith. Now, normally, it's Kenny Keith and Vince Cummings on that show, The Boxing Rant, which I highly recommend. It's one of the few shows that I never miss an episode of. One of the few boxing shows. Uh, I covered for Vince Cummings this week. And on that show... We talked about that big fight, obviously. We previewed Inouye Donaire. And I said right there, I think it's going to go the distance. It's at least going to go in the late rounds. And I just felt that Nonito Donaire, he had fought at 122. He had fought at 126. He had been in there with all the top, not all, a lot of top guys in those divisions and held his own. He had only been stopped once by Nicholas Walters, who was basically a welterweight that night, maybe a junior welterweight. So, uh, and I was there for that. I was ringside for that. And I didn't think that Donaire would be able to come back from that. Not only did he come back from that, but he moved down two weight classes, not just one. He's won titles since then. And he held his own on this finale. He, he busted Inoue's nose. He cut him over the eye from a punch. Inoue had to really, really prove himself. And that's what I thought. That's what I expected to happen in this fight. And I expected that for a few reasons. Not just because of what I said about Donaire, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he proved it today in this loss. It doesn't matter that he lost. What he did, I mean, this is an an older fighter. I talked about this on the boxing rant with Kenny the other night. Um, Donaire went pro in early 2001, before the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Think about that, guys. Almost 20 years ago, right? He's been a pro for 19 years. 
I looked up uh, Inoue. He was born, I think, in 90, 92, 1992. Or something. It might have even been 93. He was like eight years old when Nonito Donaire went pro. So just to put things in perspective, okay, of where they're at in their careers. So Donaire really, really proved once again, first ballot Hall of Famer, took a stance on drug testing before it was cool, um, really made it cool. It was one of the first guys to make it cool, to do the VADA thing and prove you're clean. And he did what Canelo signed up for for one year in, in signing up for VADA testing anytime, anywhere, 365 at his expense. And he's really the only fighter that maintained that for years. He's the only guy really that I can think of in all of professional sports, not just martial arts, not just boxing. So that's special. And I think that 20, 30 years from now, when testing is more stringent and more mandated across the the board, we're going to look back and talk about Nonito Donaire in a special way. But also with Inoue, he hasn't fought anybody yet. Now, I know he fought a couple of decent fighters. He has, and he's completely wiped them out. But he hasn't fought anybody with the experience, skills, craft, or power, not to mention height and length to go with all those things, of Nonito Donaire and the determination and just the respect and everything that he commands. And you saw that, that mutual respect between both of these guys, not just tonight or today in the ring, but all during fight week and the, the whole promotion, you saw these guys respected each other. So I thought that Inoue was going to be in trouble at times. And man, he got pieced up. He got touched up in this fight. Uh, Donaire landed a lot of counter left hooks and countered power jabs. There's a lot of times where the hook wasn't there. After Inoue would throw a combination, uh, he was looking for the hook. So Donaire would just shoot an up jab, a power up jab. He'd really put a lot of power into it. Similar to the jab that Kovalev knocked Anthony Yard out with. He just kept nailing Inoue with that all night. Now it was one punch at a time. He's an older fighter. He can't punch in combination anymore. And you saw that. And that was really the difference down the stretch. So Inouye had to go through some tough moments, but he proved that he's legit. This was his proving ground, as I said on the boxing rant. And also, if you don't believe me, you know, watch the boxing rant, but also guys go to ringtv.com where the staff at Ring, we posted our fight picks along with a few other boxing insiders, fighters and stuff. We posted our fight picks for this fight a couple of days ago. And I think me and one other guy said that this would go the distance. And I think one guy actually predicted Donaire. That was it. I didn't think Donaire would win, but I thought he'd go the distance and win some rounds. And I was correct in that. So the official scores, it goes to unanimous decision. Inouye wins 117-109, which is a bit too wide in my opinion. 116-111, that felt right. 114-113, that was a little too close. Because that's, I mean, that's essentially a draw because there was a knockdown in the 11th round. Uh, by the way, let's talk about that knockdown. Beautiful left to the body from Inouye, counter left, that caught Donaire while his belly was kind of extended and he was looking for the shot up top. He, he had his hands up. And he, I don't think he saw that body shot coming. It was a delayed reaction. He kind of walked away, grimaced in pain, took a knee, goes down. Now the ref starts counting. And Donaire clearly, it, I didn't know if he'd get up, you know, like one, two, three, four. The first half of the count, it looked like he was going to stay down. But by six, seven, eight, he looks up at the ref 
And his wife, Rachel, was yelling, get up. She was yelling at him to get up. I think she did an awesome job. She was ringside, motivating Nonito through the whole fight. She's one of the, the, the best fight, fighter wives, I think, of this generation because she made Nonito better as a partner. A lot of fighter wives really hurt fighters. I'm sorry. I know I'm not trying to sound sexist, but I've, I've just seen it too many times. She's one that lifted Nonito higher and has, has made sure that his business management and money management and all that has been great. But she really, you could, you could hear, or you, could, you could hear her, but you could see him hearing and feeling her there. And I think she helped will him to get up. But anyway, right about 9.9, okay, just before the count of 10, Nonito sprung up to his feet. Now, some people are saying, and, and you could make the argument that the 10 count was reached. Nonito gets up at his feet right at 10. And some people, somehow, some way, because boxing fans have to find a way to bitch about something, no matter how good the fight is, they were complaining about this and saying that the ref helped Nonito out. And uh, there's some people even suggesting, I don't think Nonito even wanted to go on. That's nuts. That's just nuts. Of course he wanted to go on. In fact, later on in the 11th round, he buzzed Inoue with a counter left hook. Oh, you saw Inoue's knees buckle a little bit. It was a cra- That round, that might be the round of the year, the 11th round of this fight. It's definitely a fight of the year contender. But there's been some controversy about that count and Donaire getting to his feet. Let me just say this, guys. The 10 count is a subjective kind of thing. I've seen some refs literally count like this. One, two, three, that, that fast. I've seen it a bunch of times. I've seen some refs go one, two, three, four, five, six. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it's, it's all over the place. The 10 count is subjective. It's up to the referee's discretion. Now, if you reach 10 and dude's still on a knee, that's different. But when a dude springs up like Donaire did, clearly wanting to fight on, and he had been fighting so well for 10 and a half rounds... And it's the finale, World Boxing Super Series tournament finale. It's arguably the last fight of Donaire's career. Knowing his background as a guy who's only been stopped once, who's had a great chin, seeing the amazing fight play out, this is a case where I think the referee made an outstanding call, absolutely the right call, in letting the fight continue. Yet, there are people bitching about this and i just don't understand people just have to find something to hate on it's like dude just enjoy what you saw so the referee's name because i'm not giving him credit here ernie sharif ernie sharif so i'm just looking him up here real quick uh an american referee out of pittsburgh pennsylvania ernie sharif we salute you sir you made the right choice and guess what we got the round of the year because you made the right choice, because Donaire not only got up, and by the way, him getting up from that body shot, the first thing that popped in my mind was Arturo Gotti getting up against Mickey Ward, because Nonito had the same look on his face that Arthur had when he went down. It was emotional, it was moving. Dude, I, you know, when I worked out later today, I, I was so pumped when I got to the gym and worked out. It was amazing. He gets up, and he takes the fight. It took him a minute, you know what I'm saying? But he eventually takes the fight to Inoue. And he hurts him with the left hand. And Inoue has to back up and get his senses together. 
So Ernest Sharif gave fight fans the fight the, the round of the year, and then we get Donaire gets to earn his respect because he wanted to go the distance. He knew he couldn't win that fight. He kept trying. He kept trying to hit that home run. He had a couple more big shots in the 12th. He knew he needed a knockout to win. He knew he was behind on the cards. But he wanted to go the distance, desperately wanted to go the distance. And because this referee made the right call, guys, it's just like Jack Reese with that Wilder Fury fight. If Jack Reese doesn't make the right call there on that 10 count that had everybody so pissed off, number one, we're not getting a rematch between Wilder Fury. But number two, Tyson Fury is tens of millions of dollars less rich because of it. So Jack Reese, I mean, these are the, the types of calls refs have to make that can make or break careers, that can change storylines, that literally can change boxing history. Stop bitching about Donaire getting up and let Ernie Sharif letting it continue. It was the right call, and it gave you guys an even better ending to a fantastic fight. We got a super chat pledge from Ray Valero. Thank you very, very much, Ray. I appreciate it. He says, props to Mr. Montero for calling this fight on the button when everyone was saying early KO for Inouye. Great show. Keep it up. Thank you, Ray. I got to say, it, it, I do find it interesting that when I do get one wrong, and, I, you know, hey, we all get them wrong. I, and this year, because there's been so many upsets this year, I've gotten several of them wrong. There's a lot more people rubbing that shit in. But when you get one on the button like I did with this, and look, a lot of fights I get on the button, but they're easier to pick. This was one where over 90, over 90% of people on the ring staff, on the Boxing Monthly staff, thought this was an early knockout for Inouye. Most fans, most media, pretty much every poll you saw thought not only was this a knockout for Inouye, it was going to be an early knockout. But I made a graphic. I posted it yesterday. I tweeted it yesterday showing the uh, average age and the average age difference between uh, the top four or five fighters in the world, pound for pound, their last five opponents. And I saw Inouye. His opposition has been on average like six, seven years older than him. Even slightly older, as far as the age difference, than Canelo, who's been fighting the oldest guys. His, his average uh, opponent's age, I think, has been like 34, 35 years old. So Inouye has been fighting older guys who were uh, just nowhere near the level of Donaire. So that's why I thought this was going the distance. But props to Inouye for showing he, he belongs in the pound-for-pound pound discussion. I mean, I, is there another Bantamweight in the world? that could have beat Nonito Donaire today in Japan? Maybe one, and his name's Luis Neri. He can't fight in Japan anymore because he used performance-enhancing drugs before. He's banned for life from ever fighting in Japan. Other than him, though, I don't know if there's another bantamweight in the world that could have beat Nonito Donaire today, except for those two guys. And guess what? Nonito would have been even money almost. I'm not going to say even money, but he would have had a chance to beat Luis Neri today, especially if there was VADA testing involved. But against uh, Inouye, Inouye just showed he's that guy. He's on that level, and he's going to learn so much from this fight. He's going to be so much better because of it. Uh, so, again, I talked about the bloody nose, the cut over his right eye. Donaire's eyes were swolled up. So much drama in this fight. It was awesome. And, you know, a lot of people out there will say, man, distance fights suck. I want knockouts. I want the excitement. That's what you hear from a lot of casual fans. That's how other fight sports, other martial art leagues 
promote and, and market their sport. But this is an example in boxing where you could have a 12-round fight. And I get it, man. That's three minutes around. That's a minute between rounds. That's almost an hour long. And some people's attention span just doesn't last that long, particularly these days. And, you know, the hashtag culture and all that, social media culture. But guys, you tell me. I'm sure you've all seen the fight by now. Were your eyes not glued to your fucking screen for the entire 12 rounds? I know mine were. Mine certainly were. And I was half awake. (laughs) I was half asleep. So distance fights can be outstanding. Look at the, the fight of the year candidates we have this year. Most of them were distance fights. If not distance fights, they went late into the fight. Okay? So... You don't have to have a a bloodthirsty knockout to have a fight of the year. In fact, a lot of times that doesn't work. The most intriguing fights that we're talking about for years to come are usually distance fights, man. Think about it. Also on this card, Nordine Ubali, a French-Moroccan, scores a unanimous decision win over Naoya Inoue's younger brother, Takuma. This was the second defense of Ubali's WBC bantamweight title. This is a big deal because... At some point, you think that Inoue is going to want revenge. I think this was uh, Takuma's first loss as a pro. And Naoya is going to want revenge. So we could see a unification down the line between Naoya Inoue and Nordin Ubali. Now, I think Luis Neri, is a, the fighter out of Mexico, is about to fight uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez, Puerto Rican fighter that Inoue blasted out earlier this year. And I think the winner of that fight will be the mandatory for Ubali. Now, how the WBC found it in their infinite wisdom to take a guy who was suspended before for performance-enhancing drugs and then for missing weight after coming back in his first fight after that suspension, and then Rodriguez, a guy coming off not just a loss, but a dominant, I want to say it was like a second-round knockout loss where he was dropped multiple times, wasn't even competitive, and having them fight in a mandatory Go figure. But the WBC, they're insane. Anyway, the plot thickens because you have to favor Luis Neri to win that fight. And he would end up fighting Nordin Ubali, right? Now, he's with Zanford Promotions, who kind of works with everybody. However, he's been part of the PBC banner. And he's been fighting on PBC on Fox undercards. So if Luis Neri gets a hold of that WBC title, if they get to Ubali first... There's never going to be a unification with that title because the WBC just doesn't do... I'm sorry. The PBC just doesn't play like that. They only unify when it's in-house. So that would suck. That would really be unfortunate. However, if in a way, in his new situation with top rank, his new promoter of top rank, if they can arrange... I'd say... I mean, I say go for it. His first fight in the USA, have him fight Ubali in the USA in in a... unification fight go for it man throw a bunch of money overpay ubali to get him to travel to america do it and get that wbc title obviously i favor in a way to beat ubali and get that title then luis neri is your mandatory and you're in the power position to negotiate because again i think neri is going to beat rodriguez obviously so that's the way that they should play it. And top rank, Grandpa Bob, they do a pretty good job with that stuff, all right? So let's do a couple of quick fight previews, then we'll answer some, uh, some quick Q&A, and then we'll call it, guys. Uh, Saturday, November 9th. Oh, by the way, there is a fight, uh, fight card on UFC Fight Pass tonight 
from Tucson, Arizona. So those of you who have UFC Fight Pass, hell, that's probably going. That's probably going to start pretty soon. All right, uh, Saturday, November 9th, there's an ESPN Plus card from York Hall in London from MTK Global. MTK Global. Also, ESPN Plus later that night, top rank from Fresno, California. It's the return of Arabasi Ramirez, the Cuban prospect who lost his pro debut. It was a shocker, right? 2019, a year of shockers. Also on that card, middleweight prospect out of Brazil, Isquiva Falcao. 24-0, middleweight prospect originally out of Kazakhstan, Janabek Alam Kunoli, Kanuli. I'm probably butchering that name. I'm sorry. He's 7-0, but much more advanced than his record suggests. Should those two win, you got you to hope that they eventually fight each other next year. In the co-main, Kubrat Pulev, the guy who was famous for Kissgate earlier this year. His first bout since Kissgate, when he kissed that Jenny Suchet girl. Boy, is her 15 minutes of fame up. I actually saw her and her boyfriend, who's some YouTuber guy, um, at a presser. I want to say it was the Spence Porter presser. And it was just odd seeing them walking around. So I was like, whoa. Uh, I've never seen her at any event before or after. That's the only event I ever saw her at. I didn't see her at that fight. I didn't see her at the weigh-in. I just saw her at a press conference walking around. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Pulev, Mr. Kissgate, 7-0 since his lone defeat to Vladimir Klitschko a few years back. So he's still a top 10 heavyweight, serviceable heavyweight, going up against Detroit native Rydell Booker, 38-year-old veteran out of Detroit, who was once a prospect, a heavyweight prospect. People were keeping an eye on, but he was eventually arrested for cocaine trafficking with possession with the intent to traffic. After his loss, his unanimous decision loss to James Tony in 2004, went to prison for like 13, 14 years, made a comeback last year. Super chat pledge from Max Max. He says, Mike, Ukrainian fan is here. Best show ever. Loma, man. Thank you very, very much, Max Max. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, dude. Uh, thank you so much. Ukraine in the house. Ukraina. I remember we were in Chicago and I kept hearing at the Usyk fight, Ukraina, Ukraina. I'm like, what is it? Oh, they're saying Ukraine. <laughs> so Ukraine in the house, baby. Thank you. Okay, so uh, Pulev versus Booker. I like Pulev big here, obviously. Uh, Booker, one thing he does do is he goes rounds. I, I can't think, has he ever been stopped? I don't think so. If he has, it was a long time ago. So he'll go rounds here and Pulev needs those rounds. And of course, they're setting him up for an eventual fight against Tyson Fury. Main event, Mr. Marine, Mr. Simplify, Jamel Herring, going up against the undefeated mandatory Lamont Roach Jr., first defense of Herring's WBO Jr. lightweight title. Roach, both these guys had, had a pretty good amateur career here in America, man. Uh, Roach, 2013 national champ at 132, 2011 national PAL champ, that's a PAL champ, and he started boxing at nine years old. So this dude knows his way around the ring. It's kind of put up or shut up time for him. He's a golden boy fighter. So this is top rank and golden boy playing nice together, which they do often. Herring, 2011 and 2012 Armed Forces champ in the amateurs. 2011 U.S. Olympic Trials champ. Of course, 2012 national champ and 2012 Olympic participant. So uh, both these guys, accomplished amateurs. Herring... Grabbed that title against Ito earlier this year, his first defense. 
This should be a fun one. Los Angeles. Let's talk about LA on the zone matchroom. Uh, so Devin Haney is going to defend his email title from the WBC. Uh, I'm going to just call his title the WBC email title. It's technically the lightweight title that Lomachenko should have. Going up against TBA at this point. We don't know who he's going to fight. He's not even on BoxRec right now, listed on BoxRec as being on this card. But he's going to be on the card. They just haven't got an opponent for him yet. Hopefully, they can find somebody willing to get in there and get knocked out by Devin Haney in his first title defense. Yay, WBC. Billy Joe Saunders going up against an Argentinian pizza boy, Marcelo Esteban Cocheres. All right, you know, wait, Marcelo. It's probably a Marcelo. Uh, from Argentina, first defense of the vacant WBO super middleweight title he won in May against another pizza man, Billy Joe Saunders. He likes fighting pizza men. And then the main event, the fight we've all been waiting for, KSI. His real name, Alajidi William Alatunji. I see why he calls himself KSI. Going up against Logan Paul. Five rounds. Holy shit, man. Five rounds in the cruiserweight division. Now, I've done a little research because I've admitted a million times I have no idea who the hell these people are. But I looked into it a little bit. So KSI, as far as I can tell, has had two two amateur fights. Logan Paul's had one. KSI, uh, one thing I saw, uh, both KSI and Logan Paul have had combined, their two YouTube channels, over 10 billion Combined views. That's a lot. That's more than my channel will ever have. That's more than my grandchildren's channels will ever have. So 10 billion combined views on YouTube. I get why Eddie Hearn and Matchroom and The Zone are doing this. I get it. Some people are flabbergasted by this and they hate it. I don't mind it that much. I don't love it. I'm not excited to see it. I think it's hilarious. I'm going to watch and laugh my ass off. I guess KSI was saying in some interview he thinks he could beat pro boxers. I mean, how delusional is this fucking guy? Anyway, he had one amateur fight in February of 2018 against some other YouTube guy I've never heard of called Joe Weller. Apparently, this had 1.6 million live views, and it ended up doing over 25 million views total on YouTube. KSI won by TKO in the third round. Now, again, I have no idea who the hell Joe Weller is, But I'm assuming he's another guy who can't fight for dick. But KSI won that fight. Then it was KSI and Logan Paul. And their fight was on YouTube pay-per-view. So they got smart and said, oh, let's charge this time for it. And they made a shit ton of money. Uh, Apparently, it ended in a majority draw. 21,000 tickets were sold at Manchester Arena. And it did 1 million pay-per-view buys. Now... I, I don't know how much they charge. One of you guys, if you bought it, you can say, because I, I don't know. I don't know if it was $5, $10, but I'm guessing it was somewhere in that range if it's on YouTube pay-per-view. So a million pay-per-view buys might sound like, holy shit. But if they're charging five bucks, I mean, still, that's pretty amazing. YouTube, I think, took 30% and then the promotion took 70%. So Sam on the chat says it was $10. Okay, so $10 times a million pay-per-view buys, obviously that's $10 million. YouTube made $3 million. They freaking loved it. Then there was $7 million with the promotion. So between uh, $7 million cut up between the promoters and everything, the fighters themselves, and you know all the, the costs and everything. They, these guys made millions of dollars. So they're going to make more here on The Zone. 
I think this this is going to be interesting. I'd love to see the the trending analysis of this fight because I'm I'm curious how many of these teeny bopper YouTube kids, these little girls who want want to see these guys because they're so sexy, when they want to watch their fight, are paying the twenty bucks for one month of the zone, and the zone's just going to basically milk these little kids that are going to watch this fight. I wouldn't be surprised if they get a, a bigger spike this month from Canelo and this KSI Logan Paul fight than they've ever had in their existence. It wouldn't surprise me because if you think about it, these guys are YouTubers. So the little teeny boppers that watch their shit are used to watching stuff on apps. That's where they watch these guys. So it ain't nothing for them to pony up 20 bucks for a month of the zone to watch this fight. However, however, is this going to build any fans? Is this going to build any long-term boxing fans? No. Devin Haney's fighting a cab driver. That's His name is Tom Bob Anderson right now because it's TBA. And Billy Joe Saunders is fighting a, a donut delivery boy from Argentina. So, so you're not going to get any fight of the year candidate. You're going to have these, these two clowns slapping the shit out of each other with you know punches that you know would make Stephen Hawking look fast. <laughs> My apologies, man. Rest in peace, Stephen Hawking. He was the freaking man. But you guys get what I'm saying, okay? You guys get what I'm saying. I think these teeny boppers are going to pay for this fight and watch it and jerk off to it and flick their bean to it and all that. But I don't think they're going to stay as stay on as boxing fans. I don't see them watching you know, Canelo's next fight or Triple G's next fight next year. I just don't see that happening. Let's see. Okay, let's do some Q&A, guys. Um, let's do some quick Q&A and then we'll call this because, um, because it's time for dinner. Damn it. <laughs> it's time for dinner. Uh, let's see here. Uh, some of you guys are laughing at my donut delivery boy. Ray found that funny. Yeah, you know, I mean, hey, you know, some, sometimes you got to deliver the donuts, you know. People don't want to go to the donut shop. Gideon says, boycott Mike now. <laughs> uh, Goodfellas Pulp Fiction says, what are Canelo's key to victory to beat a prime Roy Jones? Well, first, Goodfellas, um, Vada or no Vada? Because both of those guys kind of have a history, especially Roy. Roy was the much naturally bigger, faster guy. I just think that Roy in his prime, if we're talking 160 I, or 168, because both of those guys, their prime was right around 160, 168. Canelo's in his prime right now, and he's a 60, 68 guy. And that's pretty much where Roy was. Roy would just have too much. I don't think Canelo could beat Roy. That fight would be in Vegas. And even, as much as Canelo is the establishment right now in that era, dude, Roy Jones was the establishment. It would be very similar, not in terms of style, but in terms of result and who's the A side, B side, all that as uh, Mayweather's fight with Canelo. So Roy Jones wins that fight. Chupacabra asks, no fight party for, for <laughs> KSI, Logan Paul. Nah, dude, I'm not doing a fight party. I've been doing fight parties. Look, man, I've had a couple of fight parties lately after a month on the road. I did a radio show Sunday. I did TNC Monday. I did um, the boxing rant Tuesday. And then today we're doing another TNC. So it's just been, it's been a lot of work, right? Um, I got to get, I got to get started on an article for the next issue of Ring that I'm going to be doing about fighter safety and what we could do to make 
boxing safer. So I got to get to work on that. I got a bunch of interviews. I got to set up for that. I got way too much work to do. So no fight party for these two, these two uh, sexy beefcakes. You guys can just watch that. Uh, let's see. Frank Williams says Canelo wouldn't even beat James Lights Out Tony. I agree because he couldn't knock out James Tony. And it'd be hard for him to touch James. I style-wise, that'd probably be a pretty boring fight, though, because you'd have two natural counter punches, punchers. Uh, but I think Tony, you know, keep in mind though, man, Roy Jones did beat Tony. Uh, but yeah, I, I would I would favor Tony slightly over Canelo. Who knows though, dude? You know what? That fight's probably more competitive than we think because Tony had to really kill himself to make one sixty. But I, I do, I would favor James Tony. But that fight would be more competitive than Roy Jones versus Canelo. It, it certainly would be. Canelo would have moments against James Tony. I, I know it's going to be controversial to some of you. Just in terms of styles, he would. I don't know if he'd have any moments against Roy Jones. I just don't think he would. Goodfellas, I think you asked this question last week. So I think you're trolling because you're asking, what are Ryan Garcia's? Keys to victory to beat a prime pretty boy Floyd. Uh, Pray, a prime pretty boy Floyd beats the shit out of Ryan Garcia. At, Floyd at 130 and 135 was the mother effing truth. He really was. <clears throat> All right, let's see. One more question, guys. Captain Hook Chronicles is on here from Canada. He says, can you think that now Hearn has the leverage for Smith Canelo in Liverpool, um, Hearn doesn't have the leverage. The leverage is with Canelo. So if they want to do a fight between Canelo and Callum Smith, which I really think they do, obviously, I think that's a big fight, but they, do, they have no leverage, dude. Canelo has leverage against over everybody in the sport, every single person in the sport. It sounds insane, but if Canelo moved up to heavyweight and wanted to challenge Andy Ruiz, should he beat Anthony Joshua. I'm not saying this is going to happen, guys. It's, it's an insane concept. I'm just saying, if he did, he would have leverage over him. He has leverage over everybody. He's the guy. So if Canelo Callum Smith happens, it will most certainly happen in Las Vegas. That is just the way this sport works, everybody. Captain Hook Chronicles says, Canelo is the Darth Vader of boxing. Yeah, but you know what? He's pretty damn good. He's certainly one of the top three or four best fighters in the world. And he's proven himself as a complete fighter. He's really, really improved. And I am impressed with him. I do hope he starts to fight the absolute best in his division, though, more consistently. But, um, you know, at their best age. I'd look, that's why a fight between him and Callum Smith or him and uh, Benavidez, even him versus uh, Caleb Plant, would be very, very intriguing. Of course, Canelo and Betterbiev would be amazing. Him and Dimitri Bivol would be amazing. Amazing. John Uno with the super chat. Thank you so much, my man. He asked, what happened to Burchelt versus Herring? That's a great question. I'll tell you right now. Burchelt was supposed to fight the winner between Ito and Herring. He was even in the ring with Jamel Herring after that fight. But Burchelt and his team, more so his management. It's not you don't ever really put it on a fighter because fighters will fight anybody. But his management took a look at Jamel Herring and what a good boxer he is and how improved he is right now, working with uh, with Bomac and uh, Terence Crawford's people, strength and conditioning coach. Top rank is getting them the best of the best. The guy looks great, 
And they said, uh, that dude's all wrong for us. They want absolutely no part of Jamel Herring. That's why they backed out of that deal. And we're like, yeah, we'll go a different direction. They want no part of him because Jamel Herring would box circles around Miguel Burchell. I think Burchell would have moments. He's a strong kid. I get it. But Herring, I would favor him to beat Burchell by like 116, 112, 115, 113, somewhere in that range. And Burchell's management agrees with me. That's why they said, nah, nah, we don't want that. We're going to go a different way. On that note, guys, uh, by the way, I should get my picks for these fights. I know we'll call it, all right? So KSI, Logan Paul, flip a coin. Flip a coin. Billy Joe Sanders and Devin Haney will destroy the taco salesman that they're fighting. Uh, Kubrat Pulev will beat the hell out of Rydell Booker. Jamel Herring will win a decision over Lamont Roach. And that's going to be that for this weekend, everybody. All right? So I'll see you guys again Monday. Again, we'll probably just do a big show Monday. We won't do a show Thursday because next weekend is light. But the following week, we got a big pay-per-view, PBC on Fox pay-per-view to preview, okay? So we'll have another two-show week, all right? So I'll see you at the fights. Have a good night, guys.